Hey, it's Larry. Uh, Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Real quick, before we get into this episode, I had such an amazing, eye-opening, life-changing experience at the World Parkinson Congress in Kyoto that I want others to have that opportunity, too. So Becca Miller and I and 24 of our PD community friends have launched a year-long WPC Travel Grant Fundraiser. We're each doing a two-week Facebook fundraiser. Mine's underway right now because my birthday's January 9th. All the money raised will be used to help offset travel costs so more people with young-onset Parkinson's can attend the next WPC in Barcelona in 2022. You can search out details on the When Life Gives You Parkinson's Facebook page or donate directly to the WPC website. Go to wpc2022.org slash yopdfund. If you or your business would like to supply matching funds... Hey, good on you. Email me at parkinsonspot at curiouscast.ca. And now, on with the show. Hi, I'm Larry Gifford. I have Parkinson's disease. And I flew halfway around the world to Kyoto, Japan, to bring you insights and interviews from the World Parkinson Congress. Saturday, my wife Rebecca, our son Henry, and I climbed aboard a 787 Dreamliner in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, for a trip we won't soon forget. At this time, ladies and gentlemen, please ensure your seat back and tray table are upright. Fasten your seatbelt by adjusting it around your hips. So we're looking at 9 hours and 48 minutes and 7,900 kilometers. Oh my god, that's a lot. Yep, you ready? You can do it. Here we go. This is when life gives you Parkinson's on the road, headed to Kyoto. I want a plane. Oh. You know that? <laughs> we will be offering a hot lunch. So the WPC 2019 podcast is in the air and on the air as we head our way to Kyoto. Ladies and gentlemen, greetings from the flight deck. We have started our descent into Osaka and should be arriving at the gate in approximately 20 minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Osaka. The local time is uh, 3.35 in the afternoon, Sunday, the 2nd of June. This is the official podcast of the Fifth World Parkinson Congress, a collaboration with the World Parkinson Coalition and my other podcast, When Life Gives You Parkinson's. June 4th was day one of four for the WPC 2019 in Kyoto, Japan. It started with the opening ceremonies. Welcome to what is unbelievably to me the Fifth World Parkinson Congress. United Voice Choir, coming together as one local Parkinson's community connecting through song. The 60 choir members from 15 countries practiced via monthly video rehearsals and MP3 recordings from Judy, the choir director. Early today, they rehearsed together for the first time. The president of the WPC, Dr. John Stossel, welcomed everybody to Kyoto. Despite the long journey for many of you, we have 
approximately 2,600 registrants from 65 countries. WPC continues to grow and we're very excited about the activities scheduled for the next three days. Many of you have attended previous WPCs. You already know that this Congress is unique because of the way in which it brings together people with Parkinson's, their family members and caregivers, health professionals and scientists, all working together to make the world with Parkinson's a better place to be. The wife of the late Tom Isaacs, Lindsay Isaacs, was the keynote address. Parkinson's, as everyone here knows, is unique to the individual and is unpredictable. It eventually leads to all sorts of difficulties, physically, mentally and emotionally. Tom and I used hope, humour and optimism to cope with those difficult hours. As Tom's Parkinson's progressed, life got harder for everyone involved. Tom, being Tom, continued to work tirelessly with Cure Parkinson's Trust, helping to find a cure. His incredible passion, optimism and humour helped him to cope. However, for me, hope, humour and optimism were no longer enough. I became irritable and anxious about everything. I felt like a complete failure. I was his wife. I had been a trained nurse and I am an acupuncturist. I believed I should have been able to cope with whatever our life threw at us. It was at this point I picked up a book a friend had given me. I had a complete light bulb moment. I was approaching burnout. Much more importantly, while reading this book, I realised that it was okay to get help. And then the drummers. Earlier in the day, a pre-Congress session about activism and advocates was held that I was lucky to attend. And afterwards, we sat down with a group of folks to talk about what they learned. Sarah King from Austin, Texas, and I am a Parkinson's physical therapist. Tim Haig from Winnipeg, Canada. I have Parkinson's and I'm the executive director of U-Turn Parkinson's. I'm Dr. Shanti Priya from India and uh, I'm a YOPD warrior and uh, I'm a, a founder of SAR Foundation, which is to shake off and move on. I'm Heather Kennedy. I live in San Francisco and I write for Kathleen Kiddo. I'm a young onset Parkinson's patient. I am Brian Trani from the Grand Rapids of the Michigan Parkinson's Association and I have Parkinson's. So, Tim, you led the, the, uh, the, the session this afternoon about advocacy and activism. What was your intention going into today? Well, it, was, it wasn't so much my intention as much as Sarah Regar and the people who helped put this together was to help draw the attention to activism on behalf of Parkinson's and what we can be doing to raise our voices uh, on our community's behalf. The one thing that was really interesting to me is they, they put up all the different types of advocacies, advocates and activism that you can be. I'm a communicator, obviously. Did anybody else associate with any of those? Fiverr. Communicator. I can't help it. Five or six of them, yeah. Awareness. Absolutely. Self-care, communicator. Yeah. I think I'm more of the entrepreneur, innovator listener I don't think was one of them actually <laughs> we, we broke up into three sessions there was the wellness 
advocacy, there's the research advocacy, and then there was the, the advocacy tools. Who went to the wellness advocacy? You, you led the wellness, Tim, so yeah. how did it go for you first? Well, it went interesting. First, I felt great. Second one, interestingly enough, I went off on my meds, and I felt, like, terrible. But uh, it seemed to still go fine. It went great. I was in it. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> That's nice to hear. So, yeah, I, I think it went well. I mean, my goal in talking about wellness is really, truly to help people live as best they can with this disease. It is a heart-wrenching, horrid disease that if I allow myself to live too much in the future on it, it gets horribly depressing and just very, very hard. And so I found ways that I can cope, and I just hope, hope to try to help others to do the same. Okay, who, who wants to give Tim some feedback on how his session went? I was there. I attended with Heather, actually. Um, as an outsider, not someone who has Parkinson's, I found it actually really beneficial to learn, um, obviously, the aspects of wellness, but there's this feeling in the Parkinson's community, this duality between how do I live well and stay optimistic about what I can do about my diagnosis and also acknowledge the reality of Parkinson's being a degenerative disease. And um, as a healthcare professional, I want to try and balance that um, in the way that I deliver that to my patients and my customers. So I really appreciated the, the optimism and the perseverance as like an internal mantra and also as this kind of an external awareness around Parkinson's, making sure that the community knows that we do need funding and we do need help to, um, you know, improve our health for the Parkinson's community. So I thought it was really well. well done. Tim's authenticity and his humility are so inspiring, and I think I was also inspired by people who responded to Tim's talk by uh, raise, by sort of raising their voice and saying, let's all be more ferocious about this. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Really and the one thing about Tim's really big into wellness uh, as far as exercise is mm -hmm. concerned, and that's one of my weaknesses. Like, I've been anti-exercise forever. I'm starting to exercise, but I think it, it's, it's important to commit to something. Even if it's one day a week, you know, you, I know you recommend five days a week, 30 minutes a day. Oh, good Lord, if I'm ever there. But but, but, but I've committed to doing a little bit every week and, and then walking an extra stop the bus stop and just finding ways to build it into my life and not having it be outside of what I do every day. It's not something uh, Parkinson's, I had to reschedule my whole life so so I could live with it as opposed to constantly competing against it. Uh, who went to the research uh, advocacy? I did. Okay, what did you think? <laughs> I'm trying to think what I thought about it. Um, uh, well, it, it's obviously a tough, tough nut to crack because it's it's so dense and complex. And with people with Parkinson's, we don't always have a scientific mind or a scientific background. So how do we advocate on behalf of the you know uh, uh, for ourselves to the researchers who have the big brains and ours are dying? One of the things that, that I've done is you get in close with the researchers near you. Um, I happen to live in Rapids, Michigan, where there's Van Allen Institute, Michigan State University, and others that have research going on right there. And with that fortunate uh, ability that I have, I, I talk with them. I, we work with them. And uh, having their ear means a lot. If you can put a face with the, with the situation, that's even better. One of the things, even along those lines that I've done is um, when one of the new buildings was going up that's conducting medical research, I got involved with the construction crew that I knew some folks from other activities I was involved with. And I went there and I talked to the guys. I said, this just isn't your normal building. 
you're pulling structure cabling, but not for normal building. You're, this is what you're doing it for. And I explained it to them. And so when you when you advocate for research like that, it's, it's sometimes direct with the researchers, sometimes with other people that are going to help facilitate the research. Great. Anybody else? Did you go to the research? Yeah, I went to the research because in India we don't have uh, clinical trials at all. What is Mostly it's held only in UK, US, but India there's absolutely nil no clinical trials no research activities so uh, so i came here actually mainly to bring all that to india yeah so it's uh, when 8 years ago when i was diagnosed it's not even a single group, uh, support group uh, so i started my support group i i actually i'm a yopd uh, i came uh, uh, i accepted the fact only 6 months ago uh, then, but I'm living. Uh, I'm actually it has made me a better person because I'm. I've started my uh, foundation, and I'm able to reach out to much more people. But still, in India, the awareness is absolutely, uh, maybe very uh, minute percentage. So, I feel we have to bring a lot. I mean, uh, you have to bring from US, UK. You have to start even uh, the developing countries. You have to start researching because she was saying the sample is uh, small. Yeah. So if you include many more countries in the research, your sample size will be big. And uh, it's a different races, how the medicines act in different ways. It might vary. So it will be nice if we all come together and uh, work for a research. Actually, I'm self-funding an exercise program because I have lived well this eight years is because of exercise. Uh, that's what I feel. Uh, this thing. So I'm self-funding, and uh, three or four mem- of my members, we are planning, and we are uh, planning a study. We are going to start that soon. That's great. At the end of the session, there was a Q&A, and one of the questions that came up is, what is the message that we as people with Parkinson's want to give to the research community? And that's a hard question to answer, but does anybody have to offer something up to the the research gods? It can be intimidating to look at some of the medical research and try to decipher it, so we depend upon people like Karen and like Ben and like... Um, Martin to sort of translate this for us. And I think the important thing is we need more translation, but we also need to come to the table. We need to have a voice at that table constantly. They mentioned that as well. And in order to have that voice, everyone needs to be on the same page, speaking the same language. So we need those, we need all types of people to come to the table, not just the best researchers or the best advocates. We need all types in between too. You talked, everyone. you talked uh, pretty emotionally about the need that we need to change the narrative around Parkinson's. I, I feel we do. My message is not just to the researchers, but to the public in general. Um, we often are. We often say that we're living with Parkinson's, which we do because it lasts a long time. Um, we don't know when we're going to die, but it's like a ticking time bomb. When um, people ask, "Well, when's it going to get worse?" Well, it could be tomorrow. Don't know. Um, it depends on how our brains continue to fail. Um, I'm living life to the fullest. I have lots of things going on. I'm not in a closet hiding it. Um, when I came out, I was diagnosed with, through occupational medicine. Everyone in the world knew what was going on with me. Um, but our message needs to get stronger. Uh, we, we are dying. We will, it will kill us eventually. Our brains will stop functioning, doing the movements that we have problems with now. 
and and that's just how it is. Um, but I accept that, and until that day, I'm rocking and rolling. Actually, I did an awareness program last month. I shaved my head. Uh, for uh, I, I, my tagline was my uh, my hair will grow back, but will my dopamine cells grow back? Wow. Yeah. So I did that awareness thing. Uh, Tim's starting to shave his head. No, no, that's just bald. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the beard. That's just the, I shaved the beard and I'm going bald. So you know. <laughs> Uh, any awesome. any anybody have one final thought about uh, that you want to share about what you learned today that maybe other people should know? Well, I am again impressed with the vast variety of humanity that is affected by this disease. And maybe that's overly simplistic, but I am just so impressed at how many different people can come together here share in a commonality of this disease and yet come from so many different places, so many different backgrounds, and still sit together and say, let's charge together at this thing together, with one mind, with one effort, and let's, let's figure this out. Let's figure out how we can live well with it, and let's figure out how we can defeat it. And it's very, very impressive. Very impressive. We need to shake off Parkinson's and move on. We are a family, all of us, messy, happy, good, bad, all of it. I, I agree. We are a very tight-knit group. Um, never met these guys, know some of them from online, um, but we are tight. If you have Parkinson's, your voice matters, and there is a community through a blogger, through a book, through an online group that is there to support you, and all you need to do is reach out to find it. And I think one of the one of the things that I'm taking away is uh, always tell the truth. Like we need we need to tell people the truth. You, a lot several people said that today. I think that's really important. The other thing is, to be an advocate, you don't have to tell everybody all at once. You you can find the the the, the few people that in your life that you want to share this with, to share those intimate moments with, to share the agony and the pain and the frustration and the anger that you have, and then that can grow over time when you come more comfortable. You know, I know when I first started. You know, telling people it was first my my wife, obviously, and my son, and then my family, and a few friends. But like it was like six or eight months, and then I told a few more people, and then eventually I told my bosses and my work. Like it was a slow process, uh, and, and then I started the podcast. Now everybody knows, but <laughs> uh, but but I think that's important for people to understand. They don't have to suddenly do a podcast, or they don't have to suddenly you go know go on national television. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's just like what you said about exercise. It doesn't have to be huge every time. You don't have to go on a 10-mile run. You can work out of your chair and do some stretching. Same thing. Slowly. Uh, all right. Well, thank you. This is day one of the World Parkinson Congress in Kyoto. We're in Kyoto. How cool is that? Yeah. I, still, I still can't figure that out. <laughs> the time change has me all screwed up, but oh, yeah. I'm just popping meds like candy now. So. <laughs> yeah. all right. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. And that's day one of the World Parkinson Congress from Kyoto for Curious Cast and the World Parkinson Coalition. This is WPC 2019. Visit WPC2019.org to learn about the Fifth World Parkinson Congress, a global Parkinson's event that opens its doors to all members of the Parkinson's community, including those living with the disease. Follow updates on this year's WPC on Twitter at WorldPDCongress, or follow the hashtag WPC2019. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free. Search WPC 2019 and When Life Gives You Parkinson's. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere you get your streaming audio. You can also listen at CuriousCast.ca and WPC2019.org. 
connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look up at Parkinson's Pod or email us, parkinsonspod at curiouscast.ca. WPC 2019 is written and produced by me, Larry Gifford. Dila Velasquez is our story producer. Sound designed by Rob Johnston. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.